Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name's Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou, Happy New Year. This is our kind of a wrap-up show, and I'm really excited to be chatting with you this morning. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, I'm, I'm fading out the year with a cold, but uh, uh, that way I don't have to go out for New Year's Eve. So that's uh, that's probably a good thing. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is our wrap-up show for the year. Um, actually, it's only going to be an hour long. We could probably talk for hours and hours. This was one of the wildest, craziest years uh, ever. It hasn't stopped, and it looks like it's going to continue for quite some time. So um, why don't we just uh, get into talking about what we did this year? Dan? Well, pick a subject. Why don't we start with the skills gap that we've talked about for, gosh, probably all four years that we've been broadcasting. Well, that's a good place to start, and actually there are some good things that have evolved over the last four years in regards to skill gap. Um, the, the people that are retiring are still retiring in greater numbers, and the people that are entering uh, the workforce uh, are still at the same level that they were, being that the population is what it is. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of new things that are happening in terms of, uh, for example, four years ago, you didn't hear a whole lot about shop in the high schools. Uh, right. You didn't hear about the Votech, which used to be called vocational technical schools. That's a new word, Votech. So all, all of you get into it. It's Votech. And so when you talk to your kids about going to a vocational school, show them that you're hip and that it's, how would you like to go to Votech? They may not know what you mean, but that'll show that you're a lot cooler than they are. Uh, So the skill gap has been uh, really progressing uh, quite well. Uh, A lot of the associations uh, are, uh, you know, as splintered as they are throughout the country, they're all talking about it and they're all doing something about it. So that uh, uh, is really a, a great, uh, great progress that's being made. Uh, matter of fact, uh, it was only two weeks ago, and unfortunately I don't recall which organization did it, but they had what they called Parents' Night, and it was all over the country. And they invited parents into um, schools, and in churches and uh, auditoriums all over the country to re-educate the parents about um, career paths and, uh, you know, that uh, manufacturing isn't uh, dark, dirty, and dangerous, which that term, by the way, Tim, has now gotten to be old. And I think we help make it old. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't even exist anymore to a great extent. So there were uh, something like eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 people throughout the country that participated in the uh, parenting night. Uh, so there's a lot of good things going on in regards to skill gap. What, what's your view on that? Yeah, I want to congratulate all of the uh, 
universities, colleges, county colleges, Votech schools who have really responded to the needs of manufacturers to start being more attractive to students coming out of high school and to fashion their coursework to help fit manufacturing. There's, that's certainly going to be a big, big help as we try to close the skills gap. You know, there's another piece of it floating around. I just saw an article yesterday. I'm probably late in the game because it's been out there a while. McDonald's is now putting in ordering kiosks uh, at 5,500 of its restaurants. They have a, a mobile app so you can order from your table or your car or wherever you happen to be if you're heading towards McDonald's. And the likely impact of that is that the workers who were protesting, screaming for $15 an hour are going to become unemployed. Be careful what you wish for in the age of robotics and automation because robotics and automation is coming on very, very strong in manufacturing and in the service industries as well. So everybody's been uh, watchful about uh, robotics, and they're all saying the same thing. I mean, are we going to lose our jobs because of robotics? And, and I think the the answer is you're going to lose that job, but you're going to get a different job. Right. Most likely that's the case. Yeah. I mean, and it was like the buggy whip manufacturer, uh, you know, the buggy whip uh uh gentleman sitting on the line uh, wound up going to work for Ford putting in the floors made from wooden boxes. Uh, so he was no longer making the buggy whips. He was making floors for the Ford automobile in the 18, uh, early 1900s. Um, but there's, uh, there's certainly a lot of things going on, and that, uh, uh, it, it's very refreshing to see this. Um, the fact that our uh, population in manufacturing in this country dropped from, uh, I think it was 48 million at one point, and now it's down to 12 million plus. Um, we're still turning out higher productivity, but with a lot less people. So we've had, in effect, robotics. Uh, but it wasn't called robotics. It was called the assembly line. So, right. 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 So uh, things, things are changing. Um, and uh, I, I think this is all, uh, all good things that are happening. Yeah, no doubt. The other thing that's good that's happening, and we were very pleased to be part of the voice so that there was a broadcast voice for women and manufacturing is that we're pushing for more women in manufacturing because they're going to be a big solution for uh, the the skills gap. They're going to be terrific, Liv. Well, actually, uh, it all started at the Second World War when they had Rosie the Riveter, and we did have a, a show where we had a Rosie the Riveter. Her name was Anna Hess. Went into the workforce in 1940-something or other, 41, 42, at the age of 15, which was illegal. Uh, and she has been working ever since, and we interviewed her a couple weeks ago uh, at the age of 90, uh, after she came back from the Netherlands being thanked by the king and queen and thanking her for the work that all the Rosie the Riveters did, which was somewhere around 3, 4 million women during the Second World War. Well, we still have those same millions of women that 
uh, can join the manufacturing world. And uh, Tim and I created, for those of you who don't know, we have created a new radio show called WAM, uh, Women and Manufacturing. It's on mfgtalkradios.com's website, soon to be broken off into its own website because we're really getting a lot of, a lot of play and a lot of interest in it. And uh, the show basically is uh, accomplished women interviewing accomplished women. And we had uh, the president of uh, one of the Toyota divisions, uh, president of Honda. We had uh, uh, several other very high-ranking women talking about how they got to where they are and uh, trying to encourage uh, other women, uh, whether you're a teenager in your 20s, your 30s, this time, get involved. That glass ceiling is cracking. Um, the compensation plans that uh, uh, women have been complaining about, and rightfully so, is also beginning to change. So there's a lot of good things going on. And, uh, you know, when they say they're bringing jobs back to America, which is somewhat of a myth, we have enough people here right now to fill the 700,000 vacant jobs in manufacturing in this country. And if we don't fix it now, within the next 10 years, that 700,000 is going to be 3.5 million. So get on, listen to the show, listen to the stories. Uh, it's, it's very important that you, um, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get involved. It's not like it was during the Second World War that you had to. It is a little bit more subtle now, but it's just as important. You know, there's another area to look at in terms of solving the skills gap, and that is our veterans. Uh, one organization that we would like you to take a look at is called WorkshopsForWarriors.org. It's headed by Fernan Luis de Prado. We have had him on the show a couple of times. What he's trying to do with that school out there where he teaches uh, individuals who are coming out of the service how to be valuable in industry, in manufacturing, is to duplicate that school all over the country. And really what they need is a lot of funding. A lot of corporate funding certainly helps. They're certainly applying for federal funding. I think they're right on the cusp of getting approval for the soldiers to be able to use their GI Bill to go to the school that happens to be now in San Diego. We certainly would like to see them all over the country in uh, various areas where those skills, which the U.S. paid a lot of money to train those soldiers, they're very skilled people, to be used in manufacturing and industry. So the vets are a great source, and I know a lot of employers look at them. They've got a great work ethic. Uh, they have a, a great mindset. They're very well-trained individuals. So I think that's going to be another area, Lou, that we should look at. I know that you're a vet and you run a vet-owned business. So thank you for your service. And uh, we certainly are excited about vets working in industry. Well, not only the vets, but uh, I do want to mention about the disabled vets. There are still there are many jobs available for disabled vets, and they surely are most grateful to get a well-paying job in manufacturing. So it's the vets and the disabled vets that uh, are a terrific resource to help fill the gaps. 
and you know, we T- Tim and I have been doing this now for four years, and we're talking to people all over the country, not only on the air but in person at trade shows and summits and conferences and so on. And all the manufacturers are saying all the same thing: I can't get help. And one of the things that we've determined is that you have to think out of the box. Uh, we can't wait for the government to help us because they're up to their neck in duck soup. Uh, and uh, I, I don't want to talk politics today because I've had it this week. I'm, I'm finished. <laughs> We're not talking politics today. And uh, we try not to on most most shows. But it's hard to talk about manufacturing today without talking about politics. But today we're not. Okay? I'm committed. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not going to poke any fingers at Washington. I'm not going to stick it to them. I'm not going to say anything nasty about Washington. Oh, was my God. <laughs> yeah, was any of that considered nasty? <laughs> well, you know, the one so, other place to look certainly is the handicapped themselves. I like to call them handicapable. I mean, there are an awful lot of people in the United States who are very capable, can be very reliable workers. They're very grateful to have a job. Here's the interesting statistic. Of all the handicapped people in the United States, regardless of what their handicap may be, the employment percentage of handicapped people, well, maybe I'll give you the unemployment number. of them are unemployed. 2% of them are employed. This is a horrible waste of human talent in this country. Wow. That I, boy, you've been holding out on me. I didn't know that number. That's really shocking. That's really shocking. Well, uh, not to play, can you top this? Let's talk about our, uh, our, our folks that are in prisons who uh, we've done several stories about the prison slavery issue in this country and how Unicor, a government-owned agency, is competing against U.S. manufacturing to take away jobs from manufacturers. And we've had on the show manufacturing companies who have gone out of business as a result of Unicor charging uh, a labor rate of anything as low as 16 cents per hour. It's hard to compete against that. You could even go and buying from China is going to be more than that. So Unicor has really done a a dastardly, dastardly deed in hurting manufacturing in this country. Also, the fact that, you know, they claim that they're training their uh, the prison population to learn technologies. And one of the big technology is um, uh, textiles. So they're teaching them how to use a uh, 1940 or 1950 sewing machine so that when they get out from prison, they can go to Thailand and become a sewing machine operator for 25 cents an hour. So there's been a terrible situation going on uh, with the prison system in this country. Unfortunately, most of the population really don't care about people that are in prison, except for friends and family. Um, They are being, uh, there are people, there are bad people that are in jail, but not all of them. The bulk of the people that are in prison are drug-related, and most of it is cannabis, Mary Jane, 
marijuana, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they have created this this absurd war on drugs, have incarcerated people that really shouldn't be there. Meanwhile, they're now legalizing marijuana all over the country. And these other folks are stuck in prison. And um, a lot of them are going to come out as criminals because that's what they're really learning to be. So think about that. Look up prison slavery on Google and see what you find. Actually, they came out with a movie this year called 13th. It has to do with the 13th Amendment, which is the um, the document that actually created uh, prison slavery. It came out shortly after the Civil War, and uh, you might want to follow up and read the history of this, and it's still going on to today. Jim? No doubt about it. It is, uh, in our opinion, and Lou's right, there are some bad people who belong in prison, but frankly, there is a certain abuse of power in putting too many people in prison in this country for low-level offenses. Lou is also right that what they learn in prison is how to be a criminal if they didn't know that before they went in. So that's a that's a serious issue that this country needs to address, along with the next one. And we had a very bright lawyer on who runs a firm uh, for immigration and helping people with their immigration problems. Immigration in this country, it used to be where you came into this country looking for freedom. And uh, the inscription that sits by the Statue of Liberty is talking to that point. Unfortunately, we've passed a whole bunch of immigration laws, some of them to keep, again, bad people out of the country or to take people who come here and abuse the system, commit crimes, murder people, and get them out of this country. Fortunately, we've taken a very broad brushstroke to all of the immigrants and that we've now scared a bunch of them out of the country. We have no real path to citizenship for them, and they're in this horrible place of limbo. And that, by the way, is hurting uh, productivity across not just manufacturing, but a lot of industries and a lot of personal service uh, that where they, they come into your homes as housekeepers or nannies or you know, some other role. If you talk to the agricultural owners of farms in California and ask them how many people are applying for the jobs who are Caucasian Americans, you're going to find that number is ridiculously low. They won't take the work. It is brutal, backbreaking work. But the immigrants will take that work in a heartbeat. They do a great job of it. Right now, the agriculture people in California are in a bit of a tizzy because they don't have enough hands to pick crops, and they're rotting on the ground. This doesn't make sense, folks. We have to fix immigration in this country well just for clarity's sake uh, it was michael wiles the managing partner at wiles and weinberg in new york manhattan who is third generation law firm who has been a, a significant uh, uh, law firm in the immigration area and i'm going to quote him he says quote our immigration system is broken, and no one wants to fix it. And on top of that, we now have the DACA issue, where they, the 
Washington, I'm not going to pick on them, but Washington wants to deport, I think the number is 700,000 children who have been born in this country or came to this country as as children, infants, that they now want to deport because they're not citizens. And that means breaking up families. It's a, it's a horrible situation. That's Michael Wiles of Wiles and Weinberg in New York City. If anybody's involved and has issues, I certainly recommend that you either look them up on Google or get in touch with them. They are uh, very committed to helping those people who are caught up in this broken immigration uh, event that's going on. Yeah, certainly one of the difficulties is that uh, Washington attempts to pass law and enforce law that addresses the worst of the worst. Unfortunately, it traps all of them. Uh, That's not right. Uh, This country was built on uh, immigrants. I mean, unless you're a Native American Indian, you're an immigrant or you are the descendant of an immigrant. That's how you got here. My great-great-great-great-grandfather came over from Ireland through Canada, and that's how I eventually ended up in the United States four generations later. So I don't look at myself as not an immigrant. I look at myself as an American, but I certainly am of Irish descent. I wasn't born here originally like a Native American. I heard that your family sneaked across the Canadian border, and that's how you wound up in Wisconsin. That's right. I came probably in a in a uh, birch bark canoe that we probably stole from Canadian Indians. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually know the, the back story, but thanks for filling in that plank in my life, Lou. <laughs> well, add a little levity, you know. Um, One of the things that uh, we talk about uh, every month uh, on our shows, we have the Institute of Supply Management. We certainly can't uh, forget them um, for our wrap-up show. Uh, The Institute of Supply Management, uh, we had Brad Holcomb, who uh, who is on our show from our very first show, which was November 13th, uh, 2013. And he uh, retired uh, this past year. We now have Tim Fiore, who's the committee chair for the Institute of Supply Management. And uh, this has really been a special year for the numbers with uh, ISM. Uh, It's going straight up. And uh, the numbers are very strong. Uh, Actually, we're waiting. uh, Today's the 29th. I think it's on Tuesday that they come out with the new number for uh, the month of uh, December. And uh, the last number, I think, is somewhere around uh, 58, uh, which indicates a very strong uh, upward movement. And it's been on that cycle now for about the last four or five months. And in uh, my my primary uh, career as... uh, uh, owner and president of All Metals and Forge Group, uh, we have seen a significant jump in sales uh, in the forging industry, which is uh, good. And we we see that the 
oil industry. Thank, thank goodness that the oil prices have uh, skyrocketed. Uh, not exactly like the Bitcoin prices, but then again, that's a scam <laughs> in the first in the, of the first order. I, I think they're, they're now. I think they're now talking about the price somewhere. It's around thirty thousand dollars, and a couple of weeks ago it was twenty thousand uh, dollars. And basically, all that is is a notation in a computer somewhere that you own quote unquote a Bitcoin which is really not a coin for you, though. For those of you who don't know that, all it is is a digital notation in some computer somewhere. And uh, it could be wiped out. It could be wiped out with a glitch in the electric power, and that'll be the end of that. Uh, but ISM has been uh, very, the numbers have been very strong, and uh, everyone, including uh Maypie and uh, uh, Strategis and all the rest of the uh, uh, economists that we talk to on a regular basis are giving very, very strong upward uh, motion in the economy as a whole uh, and in particular uh, manufacturing. Uh, lowest uh, unemployment rate, it's point. One four point zero, right. something like that, um, and that's uh, considered to be full employment by today's standards. So um, we're looking forward to a great, uh, great twenty eighteen, and they're talking about uh, maybe even slipping into twenty nineteen. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's uh, that's uh, very good stuff for all of us. Keep an eye on the ISM report, by the way, and capacity utilization because manufacturers appear to be in the 80s now for capacity utilization, meaning 80% or better of their available capacity is what they're running at. That leaves very little headroom for downtime for maintenance. So as they hit 85, 86%, they're stressed, and there is a lot of work going on in terms of expanding uh, manufacturing plants and upgrading equipment to give them more headroom. That's encouraging because we haven't seen that in a number of years. Yeah, actually, I think the number is in the mid-80s right now. So we are are being stressed, and that means that manufacturers are going to be buying equipment, especially now with the new uh, tax, uh, I don't want to call it a tax reform because it's not, it's a new tax bill so that you can buy equipment today and take the write-off today. So that's uh, really a good point for manufacturers that it won't take 10 years to write it off. You can write it off today. So that's that's a good thing. And uh, we suspect that that's going to generate more more manufacturing business, more machines being built, more machines being util- utilized. So we're really very thrilled about that. The other thing we're keeping an eye on and we'll talk about in 2018 is this whole area of additive manufacturing or 3D printing that reduces so much waste and essentially builds parts from dust. Uh, whether the technology is a, is a laser technology or a plastics uh, additive technology, 
This is fascinating because, you know, for so many years, and by the way, additive manufacturing or 3D printing dates back several decades. It's not new, new. It's just getting out of its prototype stage into its production phase. That's beginning to expand where the printers can handle larger and larger parts. They're now talking about 3D printing structures for uh, the aircraft industry. So that'll be amazing to watch because we're all used to being able to print the keychain fob or the big thing would have been a coffee mug. Uh, now they're talking about going into production on aircraft structural parts. Now, not necessarily the airframe, but for instance, the landing gear pieces. Lou? Let's not forget about the bridge that they built, I think, in Amsterdam, that they they were building it, melting it, as in on location across a, a river, which they did actually about a year ago. So they can do some pretty big stuff. And, it, and at one time, it was you know mostly plastics or composites. But now they're into the carbon steels and the alloy steels, the nickel alloys and titanium. So, uh, and, and I, I guarantee you that every... Ma and Pa machine shop is going to have a desktop uh, printer to print some of their smaller parts, while larger organizations will be, as you stated, will be building much larger parts. But some of the things that uh, I've seen that on the International Space Station, they have printers, uh, they have multiple printers, and if something breaks, they fix it. They don't have to have uh, the guy come up on another rocket ship to fix something or fix the air conditioner. Or also on ships, they now have 3D printers so if something breaks. They don't have to have the guy come in a little dinghy from uh, across the ocean to fix something. <laughs> so this is really, it's, it's now in its uh, bloom and uh, I'm curious where it's going to wind up going. It's going to be incredible. You know, one area that we probably should take a look at and chat a bit more about as we go into uh, 2018 are drones, uh, not just drone manufacturing, but all of the incredible uses for drones. As we begin to talk about infrastructure in this country, and I think that's going to be the big push in 2018 is to try to get an infrastructure bill passed. One of the ways that they use drones in infrastructure is to fly under existing bridge structures to take a look underneath. Uh, the other choice is for someone to climb under there, talk about a little high-risk job. Uh, they can fly drones underneath and go the entire length of the bridge to see how it is structurally, and if it requires additional examination, then they can send the guy under the bridge. <laughs> so you know, he can poke with a screwdriver and see if the whole thing collapses. But uh, the infrastructure, particularly bridges in this country, is in pretty sad shape. Talk about a really interesting place for manufacturing they're going to have to replace those bridges that's a lot of steel that's going to be coming online in 2018 and beyond one of the interesting side stories to um, the drone uh, issue is that amazon came out a couple of weeks ago with the idea and the plan on building drone warehouses 
where they will have drone warehouses all over the country uh, flying around over Cincinnati or over New York, and they'll be filled with their products, and they will have little drones uh, taking product from the mothership and then is delivering them to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, uh, you know, couple thousand feet below them and when the warehouse runs low on inventory they send a new fully stocked drone warehouse and the old one which is now almost depleted will go back to a central distribution point fill up again and go back out and that's going to do away with a lot of transportation because as it is, and we didn't talk about this, but it's one of the big job problems that we have in the country is that they can't get drivers for trucks, for long haul trucks, truck drivers. So this is going to, this is like the, uh, the, the, uh, the blimps that we used to have. So now it's a, uh, a drone, uh, which will have hundreds of little drones uh, delivering product to uh, uh, families, uh, and they're going to be all over the country. It's going to be quite amazing. We are truly living the Jetson uh, uh, episode, the latest episode of the Jetson family. Yes, you'll have to look up if you're not familiar with the Jetsons, J-E-T-S-O-N apostrophe S. It was a cartoon show when Lou and I were kids. By the way, when we talk about the guy, it could be a gal that uh, goes out and inspects a bridge or goes out carrying a part to a ship. So uh, I just want to point that out that we're very pro-women in manufacturing. The example that Lou just used about uh, the blimp technology that Amazon is talking about is uh, another area of robotics and automation. We've had some great interviews on Manufacturing Talk Radio. One of those was autonomous vehicles in warehouses. At at the time that I looked at this, oh gosh, maybe 20, 25 years ago, it was drive-by-wire. They put wires in the floor, in the concrete itself, and then the vehicle knew where to go because it was guided by wire. Now they put a GPS module on the vehicle, and they program it from uh, an iPad or a central PC within the warehouse, and they guide the vehicle through the warehouse, so it's not fixed in terms of where it can go. Presently, they're working on the first level of um, where they pick up product, pick up a pallet, and move it. They haven't got it yet where they're forklift in nature, where they go up to the second or third, or if there is a fourth tier to grab product, but that's coming. That's just a matter of balance and time. So robotics is going to be a fascinating area to watch. And we'll certainly be looking for robotics information as we move forward with Manufacturing Talk Radio, um, because I think that's going to be a really cool story along with additive manufacturing. Some of the new technology, you know, Lou at the top of the show talked about dark, dirty, dangerous, and declining. Obviously, manufacturing is not declining. It's expanding. Uh, it's now very becoming very high tech. So they're looking for technologically enabled people but uh, i'm going to be excited lou for the shows and where we're talking about really cool stuff in manufacturing almost you know you and i used to watch uh how things work or modern marvels shows on television yeah. Yeah. Those great shows 
Now you're watching Absolutely. one now on forging. Yeah, this this is great. It's called Forge Forge Forging Fire or Forge Fire, and uh, it's it's a reality show, and they have four or five uh, uh, forgers who are given a task to make a particular product. It's usually a, a weapon of sorts, a, a dagger, <laughs> a, an axe. Uh, you know, in case we do away with atom bombs and we go back to swords. Uh, and they are given a task to make this uh, uh, product, and then they do a test. And they, they the winner, the the winner of the contest is a uh, their product was able to withstand the test. For example, can it cut a person in half that, without breaking? And they they have this uh, composite human being, and you just do your thing and cut him in half or behead him. It's kind of gory in that regard, but it's really very <laughs> interesting. And uh, maybe because I'm in the forging industry, I, I have a fascination uh, of this show. But it's interesting that there are people apparently that have an interest in, in this kind of uh, uh, creative handiwork. So um, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's on one of the cable stations. I don't know which one. So you'll all have to find it if you have any interest in that. Well, Lou's business, All Metals and Forge Group, is in a fascinating industry. Not many people get the opportunity to watch hot steel being formed by hydraulic hammers and presses and ring rollers. And the steel is glowing yellow or orange or red because it's been heated up to a malleable state. But it's fascinating to watch a block of steel being reformed into a different shape. Uh, uh, it could be a cylinder. It could be a ring. It could be a bar. It could be any number of shapes that they're able to do in forging. And a lot of heat involved, uh, a lot of pressure involved in terms of hydro hydraulic presses working the metal. And sometimes they have to stick it back in the furnace because it got too cool and bring it back out and work it again. So, Lou, you're in a very interesting industry in terms of what All Metals and Forge Group does. And if anybody's interested, that is steelforge.com, <laughs> and you can see what we do and how we do it. And we are accepting orders, even though today is December 29th. Uh, we are accepting orders, um, never, never too busy. Um, I'd like to talk for a little bit. Uh, we've talked mostly about the United States, uh, so I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on around the world. We do have uh, a monthly uh, show uh, regarding uh, the, the global um, uh, economies, and we have various uh, economists and uh, contributors. We have uh, Chung Wang from uh, China who uh, sits in and gives us his report on what's going on there. We have Roy Slow from, uh, he's a Brit in France, so I don't know what they call him. Maybe a misfit, I don't know. But the point is he's uh, very good. He, he actually has a metals background, and he talks about what's going on in Europe, what's going on with Brexit. Uh, we have um, uh, Chris Keel, who talks about uh, uh, the 18 uh, other countries in the world. No, that's Norbit Orr. Sorry, Norbit Orr uh, 
does talk about the 18 other economies uh, in the world. And guess what, folks? Everybody is uh, beginning to pick up. And they don't have Donald Trump. We do. And they seem to be growing anyway. Oops, sorry. That was a slip. Didn't mean to get into that. <laughs> you know, recently we had on Senator Sherrod Brown, who is from Ohio, talking about the XM Bank. This is something that America ought to be taking a look at and keeping an eye out for. Uh, four people came out of committee approved by the Senate Banking Committee to go forward to the full Senate to be approved as directors for the XM Bank. For those of you who are not familiar with the XM Bank, it is a lending body or a assurance body for large corporations and small businesses of all sizes to be able to do transactions overseas where the overseas company requires the assurance of a export-import bank. Now, what's happened over the last several years is the Republicans tried to kill it. I don't know why. They were pro it for 80 years, and then they suddenly flipped. Uh, They tried to kill it. They tried to hold it back without approving enough people to have a quorum on the board to approve loans over $10 million. So they held lending under $10 million. And what they ended up doing was giving a whole lot of business to foreign entities who could bid on overseas contracts that our companies couldn't. So in terms of were they helping us with jobs? No, they actually hurt our manufacturers who couldn't hire people to fill jobs, to work on very large projects. Those tend to be engineering folks who are working in design for For instance, if you look at the nuclear energy industry, there's 161 nuclear plants being built around the country, sorry, around the world. We cannot bid on those because the XM Bank is required for those bids in those countries. That's what they look for. So a lot of those nuclear reactors will be built by Russia instead of the United States. It's, we don't understand it. Uh, it's now become a favorite of the Democrats. I'm glad it's a favorite of somebody because the United States needs the XM Bank. Lou? Well, we've been uh, beating our gums about that for really a long time. The mainstream news media here in this country really doesn't find its way to talk about real issues. Uh, they do talk mostly Uh, politics and what's going on in Washington. They are not talking about issues that really pertain to helping this country as far as I'm concerned. And uh, there are, uh, I'll take it one step further. And many people I guarantee do not know this talking about export. Export is a very important function of our country. It helps with our balance of payments with other countries. And there are incentives and the Uh, The Department of Commerce does not, and the IRS does not talk a lot about it. And the only reason why I know about it is because we we are a, what they call a disc corporation. And a disc corporation, you get tax incentives to produce product here in this country and ship it overseas. Now, it used to be back in the 80s that you got a you're you're not going to believe this, but it's true. You got a 100% forgiveness for your taxes 
on all export goods. Today, it's 20%. But is anybody going to look a gift horse in the face? Take the 20%. Talk to your accountant. Call, uh, call your local IRS. Get information. Look it up on, the, on Google. I think today they call it I-L-D-I-S-C, I-L-DISC. It's a benefit. Uh, it helps you sell more product, uh, and it helps save you roughly about 20% on your taxes. So this is part of what we do, folks. We tell you things that you might or might not know about or you might not hear about. So uh, I'm going to put a plug in here. But I think for those who are listening today, listen to us on a regular basis. Uh, we, we're, we're on at 1 o'clock on Tuesdays, but we're a podcast. Uh, we've got 250 shows. Actually, this is the 250th show uh, today. And uh, we've got a lot of great resource material that goes back four years. It's, it doesn't become old. It just becomes more useful. Well, Lou's right. What you hear in the mainstream media, and all of you are used to hearing it, if it bleeds, it leads. So the latest car accident or or truck bus accident is what tops off the news. They talk politics, 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 ad infinitum until we all choke on it. Uh, If it's negative, it's news. So you hear a lot of that. And that's unfortunate, but it leaves a hole for us because what we're talking about are things that really touch people's lives in America. And we've had on... uh, people from Congress. We've had people on from the Senate. Uh, We'll have more of those folks on. Uh, They find when they're on our show that we're not an attack medium. We're not trying to set them up for a gotcha question. We're really trying to find out what's happening in Washington. We've worked very closely with a lot of nonprofits over the last four years, National Association of Manufacturers, many of the manufacturing extension partnerships that are in each state. If any of you are not familiar with the MEPs and you are a manufacturer, I suggest you look up the MEP that is in your state. They can be very helpful folks for helping you take your company forward. Uh, We've worked with the Fabricators and Manufacturers Association International, and we uh, monthly talk with Chris Keel, who is their economist. Uh, we talk with the folks at Maypi, M-A-P-I dot net, I believe is their address. But we kind of like the way they measure manufacturing because they measure all of the employees in, at Ford, not just from the production floor to the uh, loading dock door. Um, so we a lot to, like to work a lot with the dot orgs to get information on what's happening. We work uh, with WIM, the Women in Manufacturing. And that's another organization that uh, women ought to take a look at. That's a great organization. So we're going to be talking to more of them, and we're going to be looking for what's cool in manufacturing. How do things work? Uh, What kind of manufacturing stories do you have out there as manufacturers that you think, you know, ought to get a little airtime? Let us know because we'd like to talk to you. We'd like to get some video if you've got some video of For instance, if you had a video of a piece of hot metal being forged, uh, that's a fascinating video to watch. So there's a lot of neat stuff out there in manufacturing. We're here to get your story out. Please contact us. Lou? Uh, You talked about women again, and that's one of my favorite topics. And uh, (laughs) I I did want to mention what 
the manufacturing, uh, women and manufacturing show is a, a bit about. Uh, we do have uh, six hosts on the show. They're running their, the own, their own show. Uh, these are very highly qualified and accomplished ladies who have been in uh, high-level positions within the uh, business world, not necessarily manufacturing, but the business world. And they've reached out to their um, group of uh, contacts throughout the country to talk about women in manufacturing, how you get to where you want to go, how they got to where they wanted to go, and some really fascinating, fascinating women. And uh, I strongly recommend that uh, you listen to Wham. Uh, it, it's it's really a great show. And matter of fact, uh, Allison Grealis, who's the president of WIM, is one of the uh, guest hosts for Wham. So, not to confuse anybody, but uh, <laughs> it, the names just work. So that's the way it is. But I strongly recommend that you listen to that. Uh, I did want to talk about. You know, the fact that everything is beginning to look up and up and up and up throughout the economies, not only here in the U.S., but overseas. Um, and one thing that Tim and I have learned by listening to many economists over the last four years, that every time they talk about this, that, or the other thing, they always end it with saying the following, unless. And we've learned that unless means all this stuff is good, it's great, it's going to be wonderful, uh, um, unless. And what does that mean? Well, that means unless something happens to screw it up, unless there's some kind of a headwind that no one expected. Uh, and there is one, one of them hanging out there, and it's called the junk bond bubble. So I don't want to, I don't want to end our show on a negative so we're not going to end the show, but we're going to talk about this for a minute. <laughs> it seems as though that the junk, bond bun, the junk bond bubble is right now at about $1.6 trillion. And uh, there could be, like the uh, home uh, mortgage debacle uh, and the uh, 2008 Great Recession, uh, this was uh, this is a low hanging fruit hanging out there, and we did have uh, uh, some folks on that uh, did talk about that. And um, Tim, you you have anything to add to that? Uh, because you know, it was really it's a, an interesting. It was a scary. It was a scary show to listen to, frankly. It, it's an interesting story. It kind of breaks down to the fact that because interest rates are so low. Uh, as they were back in the 1990s for home buyers, and the availability of credit uh, for corporations, not necessarily for individuals, but for corporations is very, very high, that a lot of corporations are putting out bonds to raise money for them to expand their facilities or invest in technology, whatever they may want to use those funds for. However, some of those corporations don't have a very strong balance sheet. So the bonds get what is called a high-yield rating. What that really means is junk bond rating. 
So you're buying bonds from an entity that may not have the ability to pay them back, much like these zero documentation loans that resulted in the housing bubble bursting. So there's a concern that with $1.6 trillion of junk bonds floating out there that largely are held by individuals, they may be held in your retirement account, and you're thinking, ooh, I have high-yield bonds from a company I've heard of. Maybe. You may have actually junk bonds that could go south on you, much like the dot-com bubble bursting, (laughs) Lou. Or the Bitcoin that is uh, did take a hit about a week or two ago, um, and forty uh, percent drop in price in one day uh, it makes you think twice about these uh, uh, get rich quick deals. Um, I personally uh, years ago cashed out, got a guarantee, not high yield, but a nice yield. And it just grows nicely, and I sleep at night. And when you get to a certain age, that's what you need to do. And um, speaking about certain age, I would like to go further back in our conversation, because I wanted to mention it then, about the skills gap and how there are companies that are offering incentives to those workers who are preparing to retire to give them an incentive to stay, stay six months, stay a year, stay three months, give them an incentive, take them off payroll, pay them as a consultant to do training on the floor to new employees, whether they are kids out of school or career change people, keep Don't lose the brain power. Don't lose it. You can't rebuild it with a new person. So keeping somebody on staff, uh, I managed uh, four years ago, I had a salesperson who had worked for me for 25 years, best salesperson ever, and she was in the metals industry for about 40 years. She was with me 25 years, and one day she came to me and said, Lou, uh, I want to give you notice that I am going to be retiring. And I said, Shirley, let's go out to lunch. And we went out to lunch, (laughs) and we came back, and I convinced her to stay another year. And the following year, Shirley approached me, and she said, Lou, I'm retiring. And I said, let's go to lunch. And I went through the whole thing all over again. The third year, she said to me, I'm retiring and I'm not going to lunch. So that was the end of it. But I did manage to keep her for an extra couple of years and help train people that were with the company. And it was a smart thing to do. And if you are saddled as a business owner and you have people that are looking to leave, give them an incentive. It's cheaper than trying to hire Every hire you make, you're going to make six hires to, in order to keep one that works out. That's a fact. And I, and I could tell you, and Tim, who used to be in the uh, employment pace, uh, placement business years and years ago, decades ago, why don't you fill him in on that? 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You you very often interview somebody and you find out that, well, they look really good in the interview and they interview really well. So you hire them and you're into that relationship 90 days minimum, six months, and then you find out they're not going to work. So then you go through the process all over again. And the general experience is you're going to go through four or five, even six people before you find the one that fits in your business. Now, there are ways to shortcut that, but I will tell you it, it's very expensive to make a wrong hire to the tune of thirty or $40,000 as an oops. Well, today you have an added problem that we did not have or I didn't have back uh, uh, three decades ago, and that is that when you go to hire somebody today, you better do a drug testing because you've got a a four in ten chance that that person is stoned, whether it's on legal drugs, illegal drugs, painkillers, what have you. We did have... uh, a manufacturing company on our show a couple of months ago. She needed to hire 10 people. And out of the 10 people that came in, the first 10 that came in for interviews, only uh, four were not stoned. So this is a real serious problem in this country, which we all know about. And uh, our quote-unquote war on drugs doesn't deal with this. It deals with marijuana usages and so on. So this is something that you really need to think about. Uh, And uh, I I reach out to our listeners that if you have questions on any of the things that Tim and I have talked about either today or in the past or in the future, and you need some guidance, give us a call. And we'll be happy to work with you, send you in the right direction, get get some uh, advisors for you, uh, because our role, Tim and I, is to help manufacturing. And uh, matter of fact, I'll even take it as far as to say that if you want to advertise on our show, uh, we'll, we'll be forced to take your money. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. <laughs> we'll be happy to do that just to make your life a little bit easier. We, we make a good tax deduction on your income tax uh, return, uh, we are starting a advertising marketing program, which includes also uh, uh, sponsorship, annual and semi-annual sponsorships, and uh, we'd be pleased to talk to you further about that. Um, our phone number is uh, 973-808-8300. Our website is mfgtalkradio.com. And don't forget Wham. Wham is going to have its own show, uh, own website within the next couple of weeks. And we'll have that announcement up on our website. And uh, Timmy, I think that might be a wrap unless uh, we left anybody or anything out. I don't think we did, but I think we pretty much covered it really one of the important points that we want to get across to people in manufacturing at all levels from the loading dock door up through the C-suite across all of the various disciplines in manufacturing is that we are your voice to get information out about manufacturing that helps manufacturing. And that's really why Lou and I started the show back on November 4 of 2013, and we've been going strong ever since. 
uh, we get something like uh, we're north of a quarter of a million listeners a year, which, you know, do the math. I think we're hitting something in the 25, 6,000 listeners a month range now. Uh, interestingly enough, we're finding that shows that we did two and three years ago are still being downloaded and listened to from our library. So it's uh, it's been a, a really an enjoyable experience. We get people from all of those disciplines listening to the show. We have people on the loading dock listening to the show. We have CC suite people listening to the show. We have engineers listening to the show. We get lots of nice emails from those folks. I don't think we've gotten any hate mail at all. So I guess we're doing okay, Lou. No, we haven't gotten anything from Donald either. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. You know, I'm, I'm controlling myself. No, we haven't. We, it, it, we haven't gotten one hate hate mail, which is great. Right, uh, we're not in that uh, that mainstream media genre where we could say something or talk about something that uh, upsets people. We're really just trying to help an industry grow, and we must be doing good because the industry is doing great, Lou. So we're we're really helping. Yeah, here. Uh, yeah, we're going to take credit for that. <laughs> be sure to tune in uh, matter of fact tune in frequently we have new postings going up often at mfgtalkradio.com the library is building you can find our little search bar and search for any topic and chances are two or three shows are going to come up on it so uh, go to mfgtalkradio.com don't forget about WAM women and manufacturing we're going to spin that out into its own website in 2018 so that will be another one for you to look at. We're also going to be talking to some of the .orgs out there. We think that they should have their own voice at least once a month on the air. So we're going to be talking to some of them and inviting them to host a show with our umbrella parent, which is Manufacturing Broadcasting Corporation, which supports all of the operations of the shows. Lou? Well, I think uh, you did a, a wrap. The only thing that we didn't talk about is our Metals and Manufacturing Outlook magazine, which uh, is uh, available. It's uh, Right now, it's about a 40-page magazine uh, talking about a lot of the things that we talk about here. Um, and uh, you, you can get it uh, where? Uh, at all metal, at steelforge.com. Uh, you can get our magazine. And while you're there, take a look and see what we're doing in the forging world. Um, so wherever we, wherever, whatever you're looking for, we can help you. News, forgings, statistics, and some, some levity. <laughs> right. We always try to add a little of that into the show. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We will be back with you very soon. And Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Yes, Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.